Obviously. On the prompt. If you tell me I'm fat, I'm gonna probably smash my iPhone. Welcome to the prompt. A weekly panel discussion on technology and the culture surrounding Apple and related companies. It is the 12th of February, 2014. This is episode 35 of the world's greatest podcast. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hi, Federico. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm very well, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm still I'm still playing Flappy Bird. So We'll talk about that later. And Mr. Yeah. Stephen Hackett, welcome back to the prompt, sir. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Very good? good. Hi, Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, Mr. Federico Vitici. I feel like we could really be more formal on the podcast. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you guys read the uh, the New York Times or not, but uh, the New York Times has a very old school style book, and they refer very often to people as Mr. or Mrs. then last name, where most newspapers would just use the last name and not use a any sort of uh, title. So I would like to Mr. be referred Hurley. to as the right honorable. I don't think you've been knighted, so I don't think we can do that. Well, I'm not asking to be called sir. Well, just... I don't know how your <laughs> system of imagination works. So don't keep, don't don't question it. Just call me right honorable Hurley. I can't say that. Like <laughs> I do. I mean, Mike. So it's not a secret, Mike, that you you sometimes struggle with the English language, both in written and spoken form. Hi. Hello. <clears throat> but I cannot, I, like, the R's and the W's and whatever you said, I cannot get through it. Okay. It's not good. Federico. Yes. Hi. What did I do? Hi. Nothing. Okay. I, I kind of got scared for a moment there. We should just do follow-up. Follow-up. Wow, we're jumping right in this week. Yes, we have uh, some listener email uh, this week that we're going to go through. Uh, we got a uh, a lot of comments. Oh. So I will say a surprising amount of comments about baseball <laughs> after we talked about the World Series last week. I kind, which I'm I kind of not surprised by it, in all honesty. Well, baseball is the nerd sport. Like it's there's a lot of math or something. I don't know. That's probably going to generate some more email. Um, and so a listener named Brad emailed us and said, uh, many believe that the name World Series, quote unquote, quote, is American hyper arrogance, which is what we joked about. But the truth is that the series was named after the New York World newspaper, who sponsored the title of the games, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Wikipedia says that that is probably a myth. So, sorry, Brad. I did email Brad back and point him to the Wikipedia page, and he has not responded. So, hopefully he's not dead. So Why are you always so dark? Which are <laughs> well, so I mean, <laughs> he could have just not responded yet, or because you, you know slammed a truth nugget on his face. So pe- yeah. pe- <laughs> According to Stephen, people either reply to email or die. <laughs> so that's how it goes. Uh, <laughs> I think that maybe, you know, even if even if that was the case, they still wouldn't be called world champions. So I still say that our confusion and point of last week stands. Baseball nerds, come at me. Are you going to email Mike? Uh, no, what you should do is go to 5x5.tv slash prompt and hit the contact button. No, that comes to me. <laughs> I don't want that. Uh, we also have email from uh, listener Jason Becker who emailed about uh, Mike's Mac Pro situation. And uh, he kind of had two comments. The first one is, and 
I didn't really even consider it, um, but maybe that a 21-inch iMac plus a couple Mac Minis might be a nicer setup just space-wise. Like, 27 iMac is, pr- is pretty big. You can spec a 21-inch, like, sort of close to a 27. I don't think you can get it quite as good. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Mike? Like, like how big of a concern is physical space for you in your underground studio? Uh, it, it won't be a, a problem. I wouldn't want a 21-inch screen, in all honesty. I would, because part of the reason that I want to upgrade is for a larger screen, mm-hmm. with, better, with better sort of resolution than what I've got at the moment. So obviously, I would be buying an external monitor, and I would right. probably go like minimum 25, but probably like a 27 inch or something, mm-hmm. because Logic, yeah, really needs a lot of screen real estate. Yeah, I'll tell you, man. The days or you know the weeks that I. Uh, edit this show i usually do it on my macbook air and it is painful in logic yeah, you can't. there's so much it's impossible so i'm using like a because i don't have a monitor at the moment i, I just have like a, a samsung tv like a 23 inch tv that i'm just plugging the mac mini into just because i had it lying around doing nothing so rather than buy a <laughs> buy a monitor i just plugged the mac into it instead <laughs> i like laying around like like it was just like on the floor next to your dirty laundry like, oh look i have a tv honestly it didn't even have an aerial in it like it, uh, it's it not about no mermaids. Uh-huh. <clears throat> wow! Hey, Disney boy. Hi, I have uh-huh. a three-year-old daughter. I know yeah. all about the Little Mermaid. <laughs> I don't. I'm not even. Um, but yeah, so a 21-inch iMac. I don't really think works for me. I I think that I'm I'm going with a Mac Pro, but it won't be for a while yet. Anyway, but I think yeah. I think I'm pretty uh, set on that now. The more interesting part of Jason's comments, um, and I was going to read this sentence. Revision A hardware is not something I would ever buy from Apple with the intention of keeping it for six to seven years. You know, a lot of people say that about Apple hardware, and I usually kind of bristle at that comment when I hear it. But then I was like, well, let me think. Like, let me think about first-gen Mac hardware. And I actually tweeted, I was like, hey, you know, uh, internet, tell me what um, first-gen Apple hardware has been bad. And, like, my tweet bot was exploding. Um so I have a little list here. Uh, the first being the original MacBook Air in 2008 with an iPod hard drive um, and some hinge issues, like <laughs> the hinges would break. Um, the I have was some, really slow. Sorry, I have some personal experience with that. So uh, Your brother had one, right? Yeah, my younger brother bought a MacBook Air. And the hinge just on his maybe like broke like four or five times. Like mm-hmm. there, he had so many problems with that laptop, it actually got fully replaced twice. Yeah, like it's called a crew a- customer replacement unit. And the Apple Store didn't even tell him that they'd done it, but I knew because <laughs> all of a sudden he had like leopard on his machine, or like snow. It was either leopard or snow leopard, and I was like, "Hang on a minute, that's not what you yeah. took it in with." <laughs> right. The um, they definitely had issues. I repaired a lot of those back in the day. Um, and the, I mean, and Marco and I were talking about it on Twitter. He really hated his first gen MacBook air. Uh, the, the, the iPod hard drive was just really slow. And even on, um, even on an SSD model, like it, it could be, it could be rough. Um, but the list is not in there. As you might imagine the first gen iPod nano, which is not Mac hardware. Everybody was like the first iPad is like, well, that's for Mac hardware, but the first-gen iPod Nano scratched really bad, badly, and some of the batteries caught fire. 
Um, the original MacBooks had pretty big uh, SMC, like firmware and power management issues. Some of them were so bad, we actually had to replace the heat sinks and, and logic boards in store to fix it. The original MacBook Pro had inverter issues, where if you change the screen brightness, you would hit get a high-pitched whine out of the machine. Not super cool. <laughs> the iMac G5 had blown capacitors on the main logic board and in the power supply, as did the eMac G4. Uh, the Power Mac G5 had a power supply whine. Uh, titanium power books had the paint fall off and the hinges would snap. And then maybe my favorite on the list is the smelly iBook G3, which... <laughs> yeah, so you, you got to explain this to me. Okay, so the... What do you mean the, a, sm a smelly keyboard? Yeah, so the, the iBook, if you remember, the uh, original iBook G3 uh, was sort of rounded. People made fun of it for like a toilet seat. It had like aqua or orange or gray plastic on it. Uh, I have the first one. It's actually here in the house somewhere. Um, and then they changed to the, the much smaller white ones. They were called dual USB. They had two USB ports, G3 processors. And the keyboards would basically smell like BO, like after a while, like so badly that I could open the door to the genius room at our store and know if we had one in the shop hmm. because they just smell, they just smelled like, like gym locker rooms. It was awful. Um, it's not, you know, it's sort of a, a defect. I, I don't know if I would say I would never sort, buy revision. Sort of a defect. <laughs> I mean, I mean, in the way that you wanted to vomit when you used your computer. Oh, that's just a little <laughs> one. It's, it's fine. I, I don't know if I would say I would never buy revision A Mac hardware. Um, in fact, I have in the past, but I, I kind of get, you know, now that I sat down and thought about it, I'm going to write some of this stuff up, I think, but. I would maybe think twice about it. Uh, I would definitely do Apple Care. I do Apple Care on my Macs. I would definitely recommend it for you, Mike, if you buy a Mac Pro. Mm -hmm. Nothing in that thing is going to be cheap to fix. You know, the, mm. anything would be more expensive than the cost of the Apple Care. Um, so yeah, a very fun afternoon of people just uh, venting their anger at me about Mac failures they've experienced in the past. It's one of those scenarios that I would try and get try and buy it at a discount somehow, whether that be a student discount for for a student I know or what for their business unit discounts. Yeah. Um so then I would be able to get um AppleCare out of the money that I save. I mean how much is AppleCare on the Mac Pro? Seventeen thousand dollars. That seems Well I, I have no idea. That was the best that I could give you at that time. Well you know we have the internet in front of us. Let's I know, see. but it takes me time. I'm going to apple.com right now. Um, I'm I tell already you there. What, I tell you Apple what. Care, Michael, Apple okay. Care is $249 for a $3,900 computer. I can That's, I can find the money for that if if yeah. when it happens. Yeah. Mike. Yes. Can I ask you a favor? Mm -hmm. Can you please not buy a Mac Pro so we don't talk about it anymore? Well, if I buy it, it will probably be maybe six months to a year away. Hmm. Um, and I probably won't have much to say other than I like my Mac Pro. I mean, I don't have, you know, Marco and Syracuse levels of um, knowledge. Uh, basically, as much as I could say about the Mac Pro I said I said last week. Oh, thank God. I would like to talk yeah, about because I really don't know what to say about it. I just sit here, you know... Listen I'm sorry, you guys. Playing Flappy Bird. Look out at the horizon and wonder. 
Can you see the horizon from from the bathroom? No, I actually see my neighbor, which is kind of weird. <laughs> wave, wave at him. <laughs> yeah. Hey, buddy. Yeah, probably not. I'm not in bathroom, by the way. I'm in my new living room. So. Oh. Yeah. Mm. It's like we go on a tour of the Tichi compound every week. <laughs> you should FaceTime us in sometimes so we can see where you live. That's That sounded way creepier than I <laughs> meant for it to yeah. be. Why don't you invite us into your home? Yeah, why don't uh, please, you? Please, um, you guys are welcome, you know. Um, if it's good enough for the eventually, mayor. eventually, I will have to, I will have to invite you and you know show you how espresso is done, how pasta is done, pizza, you know all the cool stuff. I'll be Can right we drive over. fast cars? I'm not sure about this. Hey, Mike. Yes. Will you save us from ourselves for a second? Always. I would like to take a quick moment to thank our first sponsor for this week's episode, and that is Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own website. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TALLYHO2. Squarespace are always doing great work to make sure that their platform is up to date with new features, new designs, and making their support even greater. They have beautiful templates that you can get started with, and tons of style options that you can adjust so you can really create your own space on the internet. Everything in Squarespace's page building system layout engine is drag and drop. So it's easy to add content from your desktop and you can rearrange elements of content easily within a page. Squarespace makes sure that your site looks fantastic on any device because every Squarespace website has its own unique mobile design. You can also easily connect Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Instagram, Google, and many more web and social services. So you can have them post content to those services and you can have content from those services posted to your site very easily. Squarespace also has an e-commerce solution for their platform called Squarespace Commerce. So if you want to set up a shop and sell things, you can do that in just a few minutes. Squarespace is really easy to use, but if you need any help, over 70 employees are dedicated to support on their customer care team who are based in New York City. They're available for live chat during the week and have super fast email support throughout the day and night. And listen up, everybody out there, all of you techie people, as I'm sure that you all are, now is the time. You can apply to be a part of the Squarespace team. Squarespace are currently looking to hire 30 engineers and designers by March 15th. This means they're inviting potential candidates, that could be you, and their spouses to be New Yorkers for a weekend completely on them. So if you want to go hang out with little Ryan and the crew over at Squarespace and have a pretty cool time in New York City, then go check out beapartofit.squarespace.com to learn and find out more. So that's beapartofit.squarespace.com. As I said earlier, you can try out Squarespace for free. No credit card required. And if you decide to purchase, it starts at just $8 a month and includes a domain name if you sign up for a year. Make sure that you get 10% off and support the show by using the code TALLYHO2. That's T-A-L-L-Y-H-O and the number two. So thank you so much to Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and the prompt. You guys have done something. Yep, me and Federico have uh, made an announcement. Um, well, it's all Mike's fault, by the way. Yes. Well, is it? <laughs> Probably. I feel like it's, no. hmm. I feel like it's Stephen's no. fault. But it's it's a little my fault. Whomever's fault it is, it is with great pleasure that me and Federico announced earlier this week that we are going to be starting a podcast of our very own um, called Directional, and it's going to be all about video games. Yeah, you know, we've been playing video games for a few decades now, and we really like them. So we're going to make a podcast about them. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Episode one uh, is going to debut on 5 by 5 um, next Tuesday, which will be the 18th. Uh, that's when episode one is going to be out. Me and Federico are working really hard um, to make the best podcast that we can for you. And we have amazing well, artwork by Jory Raphael. And we have amazing music as well that I'm really looking oh forward yeah. to people to hear. The second best podcast you could ever make. Exactly. If, if the prompt is the world's greatest, it should be the world's second greatest. Uh, best. No, I guess no. it's the world's <laughs> most European. Yep. Most sensual. Federico, we could be Europe's greatest podcast. Europe's, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll but, run with that. But that. Yeah. I like it. No, I'm really excited for you guys. And, you know, you. the artwork the is great. The music, I mean, I know you guys are teasing yeah. people about it. It's like, <laughs> it's next level. Legitimately yeah. awesome. In fact, yeah. I, I need to find the link again so I can make it my ringtone. Like, it's really, really good. We may, um, we may, uh, we may offer a ringtone, an official ringtone of direction at some point. So, yep, look out for that next week. Uh, we have a Twitter account, which is a Directional Show. And we'll be tweeting there because um, we, me and Federico got a little bit excited um, and we announced way too early, like we don't even have a page or an RSS feed or anything like that. We won't have any of that <laughs> until episode one, obviously, because there's nothing to... You, you can't subscribe to the show until there's an episode in the feed. Um, but we... It basically, all the things were, all the pieces were falling into place, and we kind of couldn't hold it in much longer. Yeah. So, so is this thing? Yeah. Is it? Is it a weekly journey through the games you're playing? Is it about the industry? Kind of give give us a give us a taste of what you guys are going to be doing. So maybe what the best thing to do would be if I actually read the description that we created for the show. Ooh. Oh yes. yes. Because uh, it kind of maybe explains it a little bit more. So, Directional is a show about games, gamers, game makers, and the surrounding culture. We reflect on past trajectories and current directions, old games, and new hits. Directional focuses on the games that are paving the way, the games that laid the foundations, and just how dedicated games consoles exist in the smartphone age. Uh, I do have to say that um, I'm going to have to sue you for using surrounding culture. That's in the prompts, uh, little well, tag. That, that's kind of that's our brand, you know. It's surrounding uh, culture is the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, should, we should name a company surroundingculture.co. Surrounding surrounding culture. Let's uh, <clears throat> see. Um, and so, but there's not. We're not really going to talk about the news of the week. Like it's not kind of the, the focus of the show. We're going to talk about mm-hmm. games that we enjoy and games that um, that we've enjoyed in the past. Episode one or level one. Um, as we are affectionately naming it, um, are we, do we want to say what it's going to be about, Federico? No, no, no. Let's let's okay. you know surprise people. Okay, so it's going to be a good topic. But yeah, I'm I'm excited. We're also going to do a little bit about some of the stuff that we're playing as well. So, so yeah, look out for that next week. Um, follow Directional Show on Twitter. So speaking of Mike, hello, hi Michael. Uh, as usual, you bought something. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I have two really bad reputations. I cannot spell, and, and you buy I'm stuff. a compulsive yeah. shopper. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of, you know, talking about spelling isn't fun, but we can talk about the stuff you buy. And you bought a pebble. I did indeed. So tell us what you think. So I've had my pebble for about a week and a half now. And I will tell you <laughs> through the course of this discussion if I, in fact, like it. Come on. Um, basically, what I've been doing, I, I received it, not Sunday, just got on the, pre- the Sunday before that, um, like very early February. 
Um, and I've been taking notes. And I kind of want to go through those notes with you guys. Um, and you can feel free to ask me questions throughout or we can wait until the end. I, I have a question. Oh, Mike. wow. Okay. Have you been taking notes in Evernote or Google Drive? Uh, Google Drive. That's such a fun boy. <laughs> he he shared he shared them with us. Yeah. <laughs> you can look at so them. You can go look at them. There, I put I'm him not in a the, creeper. <laughs> I put him in the chat window. And yeah. I own surroundingculture.co now. So. Oh, nice work. Done. We really should start a company now. He's going to sue us. Yeah, Where now. Pff, I oh, it. yeah. Well. I, because I owned the domain before the podcast came out. <laughs> Although I'm right. pretty sure that I wrote surrounding culture is the no mm. Mm. anyway mm. anyway we'll, Mike. we'll let the so, queen decide that federica what did you ask me did i answer it <laughs> yes you told me that you've been taking notes in google Drive. ah yes uh, i was thinking what pebble question did he ask it wasn't a pebble question so uh the packaging best is the place to start i think for any discussion like this it, um it's very nicely packaged it's you know it's that whole like you know the the whole apple changing packaging type scenario it's a nice box and it says it's all black it's got pebble on it you take it off and the watch is wrapped around a little cushion you know and it's like clasped together on the left hand side and on the right hand side is like the layer of stuff right so you've got your little welcome booklet you take that off and then you pull off a piece of cardboard and there's the charger and the and the other watch band you get two watch bands i'm wearing the leather watch band i i bought the silver um steel because they have like a silver steel and a black like a coated black steel i bought yeah. the silver one but i much prefer the the level one anyway i think it looks nicer um do you have I'm, some photos somewhere we could look at mm, i can take a picture <laughs> for you right now and send it to you if you'd like <laughs> i would uh, just like to visualize i mean because i mean i've seen pictures of it on the verge or whatever but i want to see it on your wrist on my wrist okay so i'm gonna take a picture right now and i'm gonna oh, send yes. it to you two guys you take a picture with your Galaxy Gear of um, your Pebble. Yeah, I'll use my Galaxy Gear to take this picture, of course. You have Thank a Galaxy you. Gear? No. Or is that a joke? That's a joke. I hope it's a joke. <laughs> Are we sure? Yeah. He's going to buy okay. one now. Um, is it heavy, Mike? No. That was one of my my uh, points. So it's as I'm using the lever strap. Um, it's very, it is very light, actually. It's It's light for a, a, a big watch um because you know watches there is obviously some weight to it every watch that you wear adds some weight um, but i find this to be a co very comfortable to wear i don't feel like i'm wearing something mm -hmm. that is ludicrously large in size um i don't feel like i'm wearing something that's ludicrously heavy um it doesn't feel too light it, it, it's kind of a it's it's at a nice sweet spot for a watch of its size and sort of what you expect a watch like this to feel like um the overall build quality I've been very, very impressed with. The buttons are all very nice. There's no... I use them and they just feel exactly as I would like. There's no rattle or anything like that. Um, the the actual face I really like. Some people have complained that it says Pebble on the bottom of the screen, but that doesn't bother me at all. Um, I mean, I just I just bought a watch and like it's got the brand right on the face. Like It's a really common thing. Like I totally agree with you. That's not something to be upset about. I don't really... I think because... Because Apple doesn't do it, nobody should do it. Mm. But most electronic devices actually have a brand name. And if you remember, you know, up until very recently, your Mac 
has always said the name underneath the screen. So still, still does unless you have a retina. I have a retina. Mm, look at me. It's a normal thing in, in consumer electronics. If you're thinking of the iPhone and the iPad, they're they're outliers rather than the the rule. Um, it's very comfortable to wear. I have not. Um, I've I've found it to be comfortable. Like I I don't have a problem with it. it feels I say it feels very well made. It's very nice. Um, I have no issue with it. The setup process was really simple. Um, I originally set it up with the old version of the Pebble app. There has since been an update, but. I've also repaired it as well just to see if the process was the same. It's super easy. You don't have to plug in any codes or anything like that as you do with some Bluetooth devices. You just It just pops up and then you press a button on the Pebble and then you press a button in the app and it says enable notifications. You press the enable notifications button and it's done. Super easy. It was much easier than I expected. So I mentioned notifications. That's the main thing here, right? Notifications is the main selling point for the Pebble. Um, I have found notifications to be very useful. Um, I can now take quick glances to get information rather than needing to grab my phone out of my pocket or from my bag or to pick it up from the desk or to be near it even. I don't know what the range is, but I can be at different parts of my house on different floors of the house and get still get notifications. I'm never really that much further away from my phone than that, in all honesty. I think that's true for most people these days. Um, in the office, I can have my phone on my desk. I can be at a vending machine, which is obviously further away, still get notifications. Like, I haven't noticed there would be a drop-off at any point. Um, it's also, I was surprised how normal it became for me to feel a vibration in my pocket and check my wrist. It very, very quickly, like within the first day, became a normal thing to check. Um, and has remained normal, even though I've turned off the vibrate motor, but I'll come to that in a moment. So it's, you know, originally it was like my wrist vibrated, let me look at it. But even since then, it's still become a very normal thing for me to do. Um, one of the great notification uh, things that it will give you is it allows me to do call screening now. So I quite frequently have my iPhone in my pocket, my earbuds in whenever I'm traveling, walking around, when I'm basically not in front of other people or inside of a building. That tends to be how I am. So with that sort of method, I would just press the button to answer the phone. And it could be anybody. Never knew who it was. But now I have the ability to look at my watch, see the name of the person calling me, and I can choose to accept or reject the call. It's just a a nice notification option that I've found. um, Because that feels a use case for me because I was getting lots of spam callers or sometimes just people that I didn't want to have to speak to at that point. I'm very picky about my phone conversations. I think a lot of people are these days. Um, So I mentioned the vibrate motor um, on the wrist. I have found it a mix of being both useful and distracting. So it's Mm. great for some apps like Dark Sky. Perfect use case to be notified immediately that it's about to rain, right? So I get that on my wrist. I want that sort of thing straight away. Um, Maybe even some text messages or IM messages. However, the problem is... If there is a conversation going on in GroupMe, which is what we use, I will be notified by vibration of every single <laughs> thing that comes through. Every four seconds. Yeah, and that's I found that to be too much. Um, sure. So I hadn't made my mind up as to whether I wanted to turn it off. I didn't like rage quit the vibrate. But what I did was I was um, I was spending time with my significant other 
um, and I didn't want to keep getting notified of things. So I just turned the vibrate motor off for the evening mm-hmm. and I've left it off since. Um, so I think I'm going to be keeping it off. Um, it does actually light up as well, the screen. So if it's on my wrist, I, could, I catch it in my peripheral vision. Yeah, I was um, going to say, is that is that enough to even, like like even if in, in your workplace where it's bright, like that's enough to catch your attention? Yeah, yeah. Huh. I found that to be the case. Um, but most of the time, my phone is in my pocket. So I feel the vibration in my pocket and shut my wrist. Right. What if instead of a vibrate motor, it had like a little pincher and just like pinch the skin under the watch? That, that'd be effective. Yeah. Sounds creepy. I don't think that would last for too long before it would get messy. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm really, I'm really, I mean, I'm fascinated that, you know, you've carried an iPhone around for five years or something, um, if not longer. And it's only taken you a couple of weeks for you to feel a vibrate in your pocket and your hand not go to your pocket, but instead you look down at your wrist. Like that's, yep. it's like a fascinating thing to me. Cause like, I mean, there's the, there's the, um, you know, the idea of like the phantom vibrate where like your phone's not in your pocket, but you think you feel it or you think you feel it and it's not going off because we're so trained. Like I know like my phone is in my front right pocket all the time. It's very interesting to me that it didn't take you very long to sort of shift to this new new style of interaction. Yeah, it, it, even now like I hear my iPhone go off and check my wrist. Like it's because it's easier. It's kind of always in front of me. Yeah. You know, or it's it's very very easy and quick for me to just do that because I mean, that motion of checking my wrist, I've been doing for years and years and years for check the time. So it's it's just kind of like mixed those two things together for me. Um, using using the Pebble has made me rethink the amount of notifications that I allow in general, which is probably a good thing. And I've been tweaking and turning off a bunch of like superfluous stuff, um, mm-hmm. just because it's becoming clutter. So like Instagram just turned them all off. Like I don't. And then when I think about it, like why did I even have Instagram notifications? And yeah. I think because it didn't notify you by vibrating or by sound, they were just kind of like background noise. Like they would be a notification center. But now, mm-hmm. because I was receiving an a, a alert that was more intrusive, because I originally turned it off when I kept the vibrate motor on, um, then I decided to turn it off. So Pebble has an independent um, do not disturb mode. So the watch itself has a do not disturb mode. And I have mine set um, between like 12 a.m. and 6 a.m. to not receive any notifications. Um, I set this because the watch will continue to vibrate obviously, or even if, uh, so I originally set it that way, or it will continue to light up and it was kind of burning through battery and stuff. So I decided Mm. to set that. An interesting thing, and I consider this to be, it's not a design flaw because I'm sure there's probably, again, nothing that can be done about it, but the Pebble does not observe the iPhone do not disturb mode. Now, Mm. this this can be a benefit and a disadvantage um, because if I want to, easily stop receive if i want to stop receiving notifications on both devices i have to set them both to do not disturb um but also in a way like this does allow me when i'm in meetings to continue checking notifications and people don't realize because i tend to put my phone on do not disturb in meetings so it stops vibrating on the table or in your pocket because sometimes you can hear them and it is distracting but now i can kind of just check my wrist for stuff too so you know but it is it is um I find it more frustrating than useful in that regard. Mm-hmm. That they, they don't observe each other. 
have you had any experiences? Um, you know, we talked about Google Glass about how uh, you know it's very well. It's on your face, right? And that creates a lot of social issues. Uh, you know, has anyone asked, has anyone even noticed that, you know, this thing on your watch is vibrating and lighting up and that you're looking at it all the time, or is it just gone unnoticed? Nobody has noticed it until I've shown them. I think people just think I check the time a lot, if anything. Yeah. Like I can't wait for this meeting to be over. It's like, oh man, (laughs) it's like every few minutes he's checking his watch. Um, battery life. So I've kind of got two points on this one, the iPhone and then two, the watch. Um, in the first few days of using the Pebble, I saw a dramatic decrease in my iPhone battery life. Now, originally, I was using a combination watch, face, and app that was exchanging data, like temperature, for example, and it was also like my calendar and things like that. So I believe that there was a stronger link between the two, and it was refreshing more often. Um, however, I also think that it may have actually been Beats Music not the pebble. Hmm. Um, I I have not got a significant answer, yes or no, as to whether it's a, the iPhone is affecting it. I yeah. have not noticed this, the, it going as quickly. I, I feel like there has been a difference, but not substantial over the long term. In the first few days, I think it actually may have been beats that was the problem. The watch battery life is interesting. I have had um, experiences of two days two, five days. Hmm. Um, wow. It went from two to five uh, after I stopped using the vibrate motor and turned off more notifications. Um, I did not turn off notifications to save battery for the watch. Um, I haven't sacrificed anything. I was actually doing that because I thought it was the right thing to do. And I also kept the vibrate motor off because I, again, prefer. I think I prefer it without. Um, but this has extended it. The Pebble... Pebble have a support document which kind of explains that typically you should see between five to seven days, but this is dependent on the amount of notifications that you receive. I get probably more than the average user, um, mainly because I I keep a lot of things on that some people think are crazy. Um, Like I receive lots of Twitter notifications, for example. Um, Yeah, I know, right? I'm that kind of guy. Um, so maybe I have more than, than the average. And and I think that I'm kind of seeing about five days, um, of charge. Uh, Let me kind of break it to you guys with your, with our fantasies of the iWatch. Even five days is not long enough. Right. I mean, anytime, anytime you gotta like plug your watch in overnight or worse during the day, um, this isn't very isn't super cool. You know, like, I mean, charging your watch just sucks. It just plain sucks. It it just does. And it doesn't matter whether we get solar bands, which help extend the battery life, or we have inductive charging pads, taking your watch off with the sole purpose to charge it is annoying. And you can say, well, I'll just charge it overnight when I put my watch on my bedside table. Yes, that's perfectly fine. But sometimes you'll forget to charge it. And then your watch stops working at three o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday. (laughs) <laughs> which is not awesome. Which is frust- it's very frustrating, especially if, obviously because you can't check the time, but also if you start to rely on it, like I have as a means of checking notifications and stuff. Um, there's nothing, I don't want to have to pay attention to it, but you have no choice. 
the, mm-hmm. um, as well, the Pebble natively does not have an indicator of the battery until you get to 20%, and then it tells you 20%, which I find to be an oversight. But there are many apps that you can download which show that information. So I have one app called Smartwatch Pro, um, which has a bunch of information, but it tells me the battery life of my watch and my phone. Um, at the moment, over the last two days, it's been running between about 15 to 20% battery decreased uh, on a daily basis. Yeah, so you're going to hit five days again. Yeah. I mean, um, so... Yep. But, 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 hi. No, carry on. Do you... You know, so I think back to like the Apple... Uh, Bluetooth headset, you know, where there was some sort, there was a, a way to charge the Bluetooth headset and the phone at the same time. I mean, is it is part of it like you're charging your phone every night? Is is part of it that it's sort of like another charger, another thing to deal with? If it were somehow integrated better, would you think you would worry about it so much? For me, not 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 really, because I'm not at home that often, really. Um, I sp- I'm never really at home at weekends um, and I'm working eight hours a day. So I have to kind of keep the charger cable with me. Mm-hmm. So it, it would have to be the case of like my iPhone having charger cables for my watch everywhere. And which, it's a custom connector. Right? Like you can't plug that thing in via micro USB. Yeah, which is really annoying. But I know I can see, you know, why it's the case. I'm sure you probably couldn't get up. They, I'm sure they don't have the space for a micro USB. It's like and, a magnetic and, and, thing. Yeah, I think it helps the water resistance as yeah, well. Like, I have, if you have an open USB port, like it seems bad. Yeah, I know it is water resistant. I've not tested that. I don't. Yeah, I no. don't mess around with stuff like that personally. Um, no. it's really, it's just really frustrating. I can never envisage um, being happy to charge a watch. I just don't, mm-hmm. unless it had Kindle-like battery life. It's the only instance where I'd be okay with it. Like you charge it every couple of months then it's not a problem for me. But when you're in the days and even in weeks, it's 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 frustrating. And, and there will be no there's and it, you know, if you think this is bad, this is an e-ink screen. If Apple do something like this, they I can't imagine them using e-ink. They'll go with an LCD and I'm really intrigued to see how they deal with that problem. Um Mike, I have a few questions. Yes. If you don't mind. No, please. I've been listening to you and I, and I will ask you some stuff. Um do you think that being able to see notifications has led you to get your iPhone less and then maybe become more uh, passive in the way you interact with apps that send you information. So now perhaps you prefer to just read and, you know, because when you have a phone, you tend to see the notification and maybe, oh, it's just a tweet that I'm going to tweet back and or if it's an email, I'm going to reply back. So now that you have a watch... Maybe you tend to just, you know, leave stuff for later? Yes, definitely. Because, especially with my iPhone now, I wake my iPhone by pressing the home button. So now my iPhone is prompting me to do something because it's unlocking for me, (laughs) you know? So I get the notification or I want to check my notifications. And so I press the home button and then it unlocks, you know? Um, And... Having the phone in my hand makes me more inclined to to do something with it. Yeah. But now I'm kind of like, okay, I look at it. Okay, okay. Now there's a thing like notifications expire, so they don't stay on the watch face indefinitely. I don't know what the time 
frame is for that. Um, and you can kind of scroll through them, and you mm-hmm. get you get a, a decent amount of of, uh, of in, information. Um, a bunch of people said that they would like to be able to have some sort of action. I have not felt that I want action. The only things that I would want really is to be able to send a canned text message. But that's very rare that I would want or would do that. Um, I don't want to, on a device like this, at the moment, be able to do anything. I can't imagine there ever being a situation where a keyboard is comfortable to use. Yeah, um, yeah. I saw some some screenshots of a what's the name of the flexi keyboard on a on a on a Galaxy smartwatch. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, and it, I mean it it looked kind of impressive because it was a tiny keyboard and it, and it looked pretty accurate. But then again, it was a, a keyboard cramped in a in a very small screen and I, I would never go you know all day typing replies to messages like that these are uh, companion <laughs> devices and that that's how yeah. i see this this is a companion for my iphone i i don't really want to be using this for much like i'm gonna get to the app store in a minute and some of the stuff that that has but like one of the only things that i do on my pebble is check in on foursquare this mm. is very very easy to do um, because it, you just scroll through a list and for, you know it uses the the Pebble app to get information. So it's as it is as accurate as your iPhone will be. So it always you know you're pretty much always within the top one or two results. So you just open the app, it automatically loads the the places that you're at. So you you just press the center button, it checks you in. That's it. That's as much interaction as I want to have with something like this. I don't want to be inputting anything. On this sort of device, so yeah, Federico, but it's sort of in, in to, to sum up, Federico, it definitely has made me um, deal with notifications at a specific time rather than interspersed throughout the day. Okay, and and do you think that you've gotten so used to checking your watch instead of checking your phone because you because you've been wearing a watch for many years now, and and do you think that maybe people who don't usually wear a watch will have some sort of resistance to to buying a Pebble or another similar device. I think that people that are not used to wearing things on their wrist will have a resistance because it, even though it's a, div, a, a fun device, it's still wearing something on your wrist. If you're not used to that, it's going to feel weird for you regardless. I do think that me being able to move into this so quickly is because I'm used to wearing something on my wrist. So I said the action of checking my wrist is like, it's one of those unconscious things that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe like there's this thing in my brain, it's like you need to check your watch and I know what that means. So my, you know, it's very quick for me to just do that. I think having the vibration motor on for the first few days definitely helped train me to look because I would mm-hmm. feel both vibrations. I feel the vibration in my pocket and the vibration on my wrist. So when I feel it on my wrist, that would always happen before I could get my hand into my pocket to get my phone. Mm-hmm. So I would then instantly look because it was a strange sensation hmm. um so that might have helped me but now since then i'm still i feel vibration in my pocket i check my wrist have you tried any of the fitness features or apps i don't know what does it have a like a step counter feature it does there uh, run keeper have an application Okay. Um, that I've seen, I haven't used. Uh, you you haven't been running much. No, and also, I mean, the <laughs> iPhone has, has got all that in it. But yeah, there is an accelerometer. It it, it does notice. Because I have a couple of of different, like there are a couple of different things. So you can you can shake the watch to get the backlight to come on. 
you can there are different settings for it. That's the setting that I have. So when I flick my wrist, it lights up. Although the, I haven't really spoken about the screen actually. Um, it's an e-ink screen. It's not as good as a Kindle screen. It's sort of maybe more in tune with the older Kindles. I find it to be very clear. I can see it in all light, in sort of all light um, strengths, I guess. Sunny. Yeah. And, and, and you know, if, it's, if it's obviously if it's dark, I flick it. Um, I've heard people say that they would prefer if it was black and white rather than blue and black, and I kind of agree. I would prefer it if the screen, when it was backlit, it was backlit with um, white rather than blue um, because just because I think it would look crisper um, but let me talk about because there's something I want to talk about with that so I'll talk about the, the app store quickly because I'm going to talk about watch faces so the Pebble app since it's updated is really nice and they've integrated a new store into the into the Pebble experience so it's basically an app store in the way that you know an app store to be um, that there are lots of really cool watch faces that you can choose from. They have like picks, they have popular, and they have like a list of everything. And at the moment, I have one. It's it's a Futura watch face, and it has nice big bold um, numbers in the middle, and then it has the date above, and then it has MTWTFSS, right? So it has Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and it has a little dash underneath the date. It's just a very classy looking watch face. I really like it because you can have some that have information to them as well. So you can have one, I, I played one called Future or Weather, which would show me the time and then the weather underneath. You can have some that will show you information like your calendar. Um, and there are loads of different ones you can get. You can get one, I think, called Fuzzy Time, which says things like a quarter to seven rather than like 6.45, something like that. So Then there are some kind of like fan ones, you know, of like a Game of Thrones watch face and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, I really like those. As I said, I haven't, I've downloaded a few apps um, just to try them out. Uh, I wouldn't want to fill it up with too many things. You only get like eight slots um, of watch faces and apps to put on there, but it's very easy to manage those in the in the Pebble app. Everything installs really easily and really quickly. the The App Store is very clear because some uh, Pebble apps require companion apps on your phone, um, mm. so it's it's very clear and it gives you the links to download those. So yeah, the the App Store is really cool, and and I've got a Foursquare app that I use. Um, a Yelp app, too. Um, and so well. there are there are no paid apps on the on these app store. It's just like free downloads that you like extensions. Yeah, unless the companion app is paid. So the companion oh, app okay. is in the app store. Okay. So you download the part, the Pebble part, straight to your to your from the Pebble app store, and then link out to the Apple app store to download that. Okay. But like this one app that I've got allows me to check my calendar. I can read Twitter. Um, you can use music controls, even though there are music controls anyway. I can view my reminders, Federico. Hmm. Um, I can nice. check my location. I can do a HTTP HTTP request. Oh, now, mm. we're getting, do with that. now we're getting geeky. <laughs> uh, find my phone, which is really useful, actually. So let me see if I can activate this. So you're basically oh, carrying no. an HTTP server on your wrist? Yes. And you just go around and make a request? If I want to. <laughs> But yeah, the, it has a find my phone feature. Um, but I got my my phone's on do not disturb right now. But How, yes, yeah, so. how's the uh, how's the workflow support? Um, <laughs> the XURL callback is very nicely supported. Um, mm. Python Easter Pebble version apparently is coming soon. He just goes That's... around in London making HTTP yeah. requests. Let me make a request. <laughs> it, but the the phone ties into the Pebble app, 
because the Pebble app is a lot more sophisticated now because it can run constantly in the background. So it's it can exchange data that way, which is why a lot of this stuff, I believe, is why a lot of this stuff is now possible. So that, gentlemen, is my review of the Pebble. Um, I am going to continue wearing it for the foreseeable future. Um, I so really what's, like what's it. What's the score from 1 to 10? Um, what's, what's your verdict? I'm going to give it a mm, 7 or 8, I think. <laughs> Maybe an 8. There are things that it could definitely do better. Um, it's kind of crippled by, by iOS. Um, I feel like I should try it out with Android um, to, just to see what the differences are. Um, but the, the, the new Pebble app is not available for Android yet, so I'm going to wait for that. There are things that it could do a lot better um, if, it, if it was possible to do some sort of fine-tuning and if it was able to plug into iOS more, it would be even better. The hardware is really good, but I think the screen, uh, especially the backlight, could be tweaked. Um, and the battery life really does need some some improvement. So yeah, but but I am I am the good points for me far outweigh the negatives to the point where I will be continuing to use this as a device that I have on me every day. So, so let me ask you kind of a kind of a wrap up question, I guess. Um it, is the current state I mean the Pebble I think is, you know, arguably the best smartwatch out there. Um if not, you know, the number two. I mean, there's really only a couple of these things, right? And they basically do the same type of thing. Does that encourage you when thinking about Apple moving into the space potentially this year, uh, you know, if you believe the rumor mill? Or is it sort of discouraging seeing sort of how little they can do and thinking, like, oh my gosh, like Apple has so many things to overcome? Like, kind of what, what sort of tone does it set for you looking forward, specifically thinking about Apple? There's a couple of things. I find it discouraging because companies like Pebble will, will go away, um, which is I find to be a shame, um, or they will struggle. Because, uh, you know, I'm sure there's not a massive market already, but once the iPhone comes out, Pebble won't be able to compete because the iPhone, I can see, will definitely do everything the Pebble already does. And it will do all of those things better because of the integration that Apple will be able to give. And they'll be able to give special features to the Apple device that the Pebble will never be able to get. Um, developer support will be a lot greater for any Apple device than there is for the Pebble device too. Um, I find the idea of having a a product that Apple creates like this um, providing it meets all of the basic functionality that the Pebble has and then adds to it, I find that to be encouraging uh, because I think that these sort of devices are actually really important, especially as our phones get bigger. It's it, these, these devices become more and more important as our phones become more cumbersome to use, in my opinion, um, because they will. You know, A, a 5-inch or 6-inch iPhone will be more difficult to use in some scenarios. Um, so companion devices like this become more important, especially if you're someone like me that uses their iPhone as such an important part of their life. Companion devices, again, I think start to make sense. Um, I find it, uh, Stephen, you, you mentioned a really interesting word, that, that, that well, a, a phrase that it's, is it discouraging because of all the things that I have to overcome? Definitely. For Apple to do this in a way that impresses us, so using color screens, using a touchscreen, and having a sleek, thin, comfortable um, shell, I don't know how they're going to make all of those things work together and it be a um, encouraging experience to use from a battery life and performance perspective. 
I'm really intrigued as to how Apple is going to be able to pull that off in all honesty because I am, I've been thinking about this quite a lot. I've been thinking about the battery life problem and I've been trying to foresee how Tim or Phil Schiller or whomever, you know, Craig Federighi on stage trying to explain why a one or two day battery life is okay and how they would try and spin that, you know. And, right. and I can't think how, unless they can turn around and say, and you won't have to charge it for like three or four weeks. I can't imagine it being anything under that and, them, and how they would give that a positive message when Apple is consistently increasing the battery life to surprising levels on their other devices. So that's cool. it. Federico, do you have anything else? No, yeah. I mean, you you really did take did take some some great notes, Mike. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah, um, I, I, I don't sound surprised because I know that I joked about this, but I know that you've been taking notes in Google Drive. I just wanted to mess with you a little bit, and um, I guess that it sounds really nice, but I wonder if if you know maybe a year from now, six months from now, I don't know. We look back at the Pebble and similar devices, like we, we one of those, like one of those photos of uh, f- phones before the iPhone. You know? uh, yeah, I think we. So I think we definitely will because these devices will so be underpowered. It, They're underpowered, but this is doesn't a- that make you feel? Isn't that kind of sad? Yeah, like knowing that eventually you'll have something much much better. So it, it's like you're you're carrying uh, like like a ticking bomb on your wrist. Like it's going to die. <laughs> this, is, this is the problem. This is the problem with a closed system like Apple's. Um, the Pebble has always been considered to be better on Android, and I expect it will probably be even better when they um, update the iPhone's companion software for the Pebble. Right. So it may continue to be best on on that system. I mean, if you take a look, people consider the Pebble to be significantly better than the Galaxy Gear. Even though the Galaxy Gear does more, it, it does it all worse, right? So, even in that in that ecosystem, in that environment, these devices can continue to to thrive. But in the Apple system, they can't because Apple only will ever give. And this is the same with with developers of of apps, right? Apple give what they want to give, but they keep things back for themselves. That will always continue to be an issue, and and I find it a shame because these independent developers could eventually make a better product than what Apple would make. I'm not saying that they will, but they could, you know. The Pebble guys could make something better because that's what they do. They make smartwatches, right? This will just be part of Apple's market and will probably be a small part because I can't imagine something like this making its way to the mainstream for a long period of time, especially because Apple's version of this will be like $400, right? It's not going to be cheap. Because that they just it just won't be. I, I believe you just see. You know, Pebble are doing this for two fifty. Apple will be more expensive than that significantly because of the product that they will create. Um, so I think that it is. Yes, it is very much like this device is the Motorola Q, the Blackjack, right? Because it's the first attempt, and it's the first attempt with very little support that they have. They, they're kind of cobbling things together to make what they've got. Um, and this, I do believe that this that this sort of device, this type of device, this companion device to a smartphone, to a, a, a 
tablet device. They are the future. It's like it's more than just wearables to me. Is these types of devices that connect to your hub device, um, and that's where I think technology is going to go over the next few years. So this is just the start. So by mere design, this will be looked at by this will be looked at like the initial smartphones because it's the first type. It's the first round. Thanks. So you you will be like a like a pioneer. Like I am a pioneer. I'm an early adopter, Federico. Yeah. Huh. Right. I feel like I took up a lot more time than you guys expected. Um, so should we take another break? Yes. So I want to take a moment to thank our second sponsor for this week, and they are our returning sponsor. It is Clean My Mac Two. Um, clean My Mac 2 is an ingeniously simple yet surprisingly powerful application for keeping your Mac clean, organized, and free of files that slow it down. It is simply the best app for cleaning up your Mac. With Clean My Mac 2, you can scan every inch of your Mac with just one click. Not just system junk, but also large files you've forgotten about or haven't opened in a while, such as movies, DMG files, and unpacked archives. It even has iPhoto cleanup to help track down those hidden modified copies of your photos and let you remove them. What about apps that you don't use anymore? Well, their installer makes it really easy to do a complete uninstall on those apps you don't need or that are no longer compatible with your Mac. It also identifies those annoying leftovers or pre of previously removed Mac applications. They have a set of rules and exceptions that Clean My Mac uses to properly clean up junk files without doing any harm to the to your system. It's called their safety database, and they've been building it for over five years. This really makes Clean My Mac 2 stand out amongst all other cleaning apps, and it makes it really safe to use. So, go clean up your Mac right now with Clean My Mac 2 by visiting macpawcom cleanmymac. That's m-a-c-p-a-w.com/cleanmymac. All one word. Thank you so much to MacPaw and Clean My Mac 2 for sponsoring the prompt and five by five. Flappy Bird. Flappy Bird. What? Flappy Bird. So uh, that's a uh, that that's quite a story there. It's well, probably one of the strangest stories in uh, the App Store in in the past few years. What do you guys think? It's it's a really strange story. It's very peculiar. Shall I give a very brief overview? Please go ahead. Yeah. Flappy Bird is an application um, similar to many games that you have played if you played Flash games back in the early days um, in which you have an object which you are trying to fly from left to right across the screen through a series of obstacles, some high, some low, and you have, in this instance, you tap the screen to make the object, the bird, the Flappy Bird, go up. So not tapping makes it fall down, tapping makes it go up. Um, it's a Twitch-like game um, because you you know it's it's very fast-paced. Very small changes in the way that you do things can affect the game greatly. Um, it has extreme replay value because it is maddeningly frustrating to play, like many of the arcade types games that we've played in our youth. Um, the app seemingly came out of nowhere and shot to the top of the app store. Because of that, um, it made us all in the in, in our corner of the internet take notice. Um, it started then lots of stories came out about how much money it was making. Then all of a sudden the developer, then we'll get into a bit more information about him in a moment, takes it away, and here we are. So there is no longer a flappy bird in the app store. Federica. Yeah. And um and it's quite a story because, you know, let me just say right right away that I I do not think that Flappy Bird is a good game. 
But uh, I do believe that there is some aspect of it that has captured the masses. Yep. So maybe critically speaking, um, maybe it, not, it may not be the best game. It may not be a great game uh, or even a good game. It's just a game that was uh, perfect for the App Store. Very simple mechanic. You just tap the screen. Very understandable graphics. You know, the bird has become, thanks to Angry Birds and Tiny Wings, it, it has become kind of a of a symbol on, of AppSource gaming, one of the, you know, one of the icons of AppSource games. And um, you just tap the screen, so it's really simple, perfect for, you know, you, you can play the, the game with just one hand. You can play it in very short bursts of time, maybe when you're waiting in line somewhere, or maybe you just want to, you know, kill some free time that you have. And you can play not just with one hand, but with one finger. You just use your thumb. So you, it doesn't even cover the screen because you can just tap at the bottom. So very simple, free app. You only have to see advertisements in the app. Yep. There's no uh, stuff to unlock with in-app purchases. So you just see the ad and the developer makes money, which in theory sounds like a perfect plan. And it was a, uh, it was a good plan, but... There's a, like a twist in this story because Flappy Bird actually came out in May 2013 and it started becoming popular in December. So that would be seven months after the release. From this guy, a Vietnamese developer, um, I, I don't know how to pronounce the name. I guess that it's uh, Dong, uh, I don't know. What Nguyen? Do you Nguyen? Nguyen? Maybe, Nguyen? I don't know. Nguyen? So we're sorry, we'll, we'll get some feedback, and that would be really appreciated. Uh, this guy, mm, he, he, he wasn't known for any, you know, previous game in particular. So he puts out this game with, uh, with graphics that he actually, uh, he was reusing the graphics from an older game that he never released. And uh, seven months after the original release, the game becomes popular. And I actually started seeing tweets about Flappy Bird in December. And I remember that um, basically the first tweets that I saw were about people playing this game and actually not managing to, to win the game because the, ca the game cannot be... You, you cannot win a Flappy Bird. There's no concept of winning. You just yeah. play and you just try to beat your high score. The problem is that the, the first tweets that I saw were about people not getting anything down past the like the first pipe like first point or the second point so it, it started out and this is interesting because in, instead of uh, instead of seeing people tweeting a link to the game because because they were you know skilled in the game you usually see people sharing points high high scores right yeah uh, instead with with flappy birds you saw people tweeting how bad they were at the game and and I remember that in December I um there was some sort of contest uh, between people trying to leave the the funniest review on the App Store, uh, saying that Flappy Bird was bad. So you would see five star reviews about how terrible Flappy Bird was, which, okay. which sounds which it's kind of you know it's it's a contradiction, but I I think that. That's how the game took off. And um, now the problem is that 
as soon as these, uh, these guys started becoming popular with, with this game, people started accusing him of having used some, um, you know, some service to, to buy downloads on the App Store and to buy reviews. So downloads and, and a lot of reviews get you higher in the App Store's charts. And, um, and that would explain, uh, according to these people, the reason why Flappy Bird, seven months after the original release, suddenly went from, I don't know where, in the App Store charts, up to the top 10, which is, you know, it's kind of crazy for a free game from an unknown developer with no uh, sharing mechanic inside the game. You could just tweet the high score, but that was it. And uh, with no in-app purchase strategy, it's going from the obscurity of the App Store back to the top, into the top 10. And um, so uh, the developers started getting these sort of accusations that he it, that it was using some sort of scheme to, to buy his way onto the, the App Store charts. And as we rolled into January of the, of the current year, the game really became popular. And, um, and so many people started wondering just who is, uh, who is the guy behind, behind the, new, you know, the new App Store success. And from an interview with The Verge, we, we, we knew at one point that he was making um, $50,000 a day out of advertise, uh, advertisements in, in Flappy Bird. So um, a lot of people keep tweeting about it. The game becomes the, the most downloaded free app on the App Store. So more downloads than Gmail, more downloads than Evernote, Facebook, any other free app. The, the, the most downloaded free app on the App Store. Which is crazy again for a guy with yeah. no previous successes. You know, he's not like he's not. I don't know, Lauren Brichter or some other famous developer. And then he's all of his guy. his other apps that he's made go into Started, the top ten yes, as well. As well, yes. Yeah. So this is where things get complicated. As soon as this app becomes really, really popular, he, he, the, the guy starts, you know, to get like thousands of reviews on the App Store each hour. And uh, we'll have a link in the show notes of, a, of, a, of an article analyzing actually the, just the kind of amount of reviews that Flappy Bird got. And um, the problem is that basically because the game was uh, quote-unquote designed to, to be unforgiving to the player... A lot of people start inventing their frustrations on Twitter to the to the developer, and not just in the way that it, that they would share in in December, like "Oh God, look just how bad I am at Flappy Bird." This guy started getting you know really mean tweets and and emails like, and I'm talking about stuff like "Your game is bad" and "You are you know you you should you should you should kill yourself you should die" like that threats. You know, we know that there are a lot of bad people on the internet, but this was really <laughs> out of line. And, uh, and not just uh, the kind of stupid threats, and, and I say stupid because they are made by stupid people, not just because they are stupid in, in themselves. They are actually really bad things to receive as, as an individual. Not just the tweets or the emails, but the kind of press attention that this guy received. And from people who assumed, but in most cases actually reported as fact 
the, 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 the idea and the rumor because we cannot say that it's, it's a fact that he, that he was using a scheme to, to, to climb his way into the App Store. He started getting this, this sort of press attention that, it, that he managed to trick Apple and trick the App Store with a ripoff because a lot of people were saying that it was, uh, the game was using graphics by, you know, by Super Mario, by Nintendo, which I can see why, because, you know, the green pipes, they, they are really similar. They may not be the same, but they're really, really similar. But I, 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 I mean, there are a lot of derivative games on the App Store, and you rarely see this kind of uh, press attention, like, oh God, here's this guy, he, he, he's, uh, he's climbing his way into the App Store with some sort of scheme, and it's a ripoff, and it's making a lot of money, and we don't know who this guy is, and he comes from Vietnam, and, and, and this guy is beating all the Americans, and, and he's finding success, and, and we just don't know how he did it. It, I, it was some, a, a lot of unnecessary negative press. Uh, like I said, I don't think I don't think that it's a that Flappy Bird is a good game, but I would never go. My, you know, I would never try to find ways to 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 show this guy as some sort of evil genius, right? I mean, just Google Flappy Bird on the App Store uh, on on Google. I'm sorry, and uh, and you will see that just the kind of articles that. This guy got, and and if you are an indie, an indie developer for some sort of coincidence, because I tend to believe that the the success of Flappy Bird is really the result of a series of coincidences, and and you know the free app, the simple mechanic, the interesting graphics, which is a mix of you know trends, the birds, and and Super Mario inspiration. I think that it was all a coincidence. This this guy really had a lot of luck to 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 you know to find success with Flappy Bird. But if you are the kind of person who, who cannot deal with negative feedback on Twitter, on on email, on uh, the press is writing articles about you. And if you're just a guy who wanted to who wanted to put out a game, he actually tweeted many times. If you look if you look at, at Dong's timeline you can see that it, that he's been consistent in the way in the way that in the past year, way before Flappy Bird, he was saying that success is not everything in in life for him. So he's been very consistent in his ideals that he just wants to learn how to make games. So while I think that Flappy Bird is not a good game, it doesn't mean that I want to I want to go after this guy. Um, it doesn't mean that I can I, I will you know just write a lot of negative press about the app. I just think that it's not a good game. It's a, it's addictive, right? Because, I mean, if millions of people are playing it, maybe, you know, maybe my opinion just isn't the, the, the single truest <laughs> idea of critical... Yeah. <laughs> or, 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 you know, there is, there, is something, there is something about Flappy Bird, right? But just right. because I don't think that it's a good game... I won't just demonize this guy and say, oh God, he's conquered the App Store, right? It doesn't make any sense. What's sad, in my opinion, is that it was, fo- it was basically forced by 
not not by anyone in particular, but just you know he couldn't deal with 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 his own success and and with the negative feedback with with the press and and you know with just the kind of attention that he was getting maybe the fact that he lives in Vietnam maybe playing some sort of role you know I don't know some some people were saying that it, that it's that it may be a problem to to make all that money all at once. And uh, I don't know. I, I have no idea, honestly. And I'm, I'm just reporting what I what I saw on Twitter. I think that there are a lot there are a lot of better games on the App Store. But I also think that if millions of people are, are playing Flappy Bird, there must be a reason. And I think that a lot of the feedback that this guy got was unnecessary. And um, and just because a game isn't good and and and. Uh, and I'll let you guys talk. I'm sorry. Just, <laughs> yeah, I realize that I've been talking a lot, but it, it's something that I want to get off my chest. Um, just because I don't think it's a good game, I wouldn't. I I I, I think it's unfair, and it's really my conclusion is that it's really sad. Everything about the Flappy Bird story is sad. That this guy just wanted to try to make a game. He made a game in two days. It's a very derivative game it's not a, ge- a great game but people for some reason started loving this game and 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 it became popular his game became popular and, and now everybody's talking about this guy everybody's actually making clones of flappy bird right that's what you know, yeah, that's what i want to talk about like it, it is i agree with you it's not like i play i downloaded it for about 30 seconds i was like well i should see what this is about and the game is it's not good but and, and and the developer even said this like I got rid of it because it was addicting. And I think that is the key here. Like he sort of tapped into something probably accidentally, like that just got into people's brains and they couldn't stop playing it. And now like we have a whole list of links here. Um, uh, I think yesterday or the day before, like several of the top ten in the iOS App Store were clones. Sesame Street has one called Flappy Bert that has come out actually while we're recording. Uh, so. Similar- Couple of people, have, you should look at it. It's really amazing. What uh, kind of game? I'm sorry. Sesame Street has one called Flappy Bird. Ah, yeah, yeah. I That's saw so that. awesome. Like, oh, when you uh, when you die, uh, Bert says Ernie, like kind of judgmentally. So I mean, I think I mean I think to kind of maybe wraps up a little bit. Like the kid tapped into something accidentally i think there's you know people sort of jumped on it and um and we see this you know we've seen it before where sort of like the hive mind of twitter and everything kind of gets an idea in their head that hey you know something bad is happening it jumps on it and you know like i I really can't blame the kid for pulling it like I, i don't know how i would feel in that situation um like yes it's a lot of money but also like people you know, telling you you're a terrible person and that what you built is terrible. Like that gets really old really quickly, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it is interesting. And like, we're going to talk a lot more about the app store, I think in the coming yep. weeks, but um, it does show that even in an ecosystem that feels kind of even stagnant at times, like the iOS app store really hasn't changed ever. Um, you know, Apple basically set it up and has left it to run. And, and there've been, some tweaks, but the the major functionality has always been the same. And something like this can still happen, 
like that's what's interesting to me like this this thing can just explode and like it's on the it was on like cnn right like it's on the news it's crazy um it is really uh, an interesting thing. Um, and if anything, if you only click one link this week in the show notes, please click Flappy Bert because it is. I've just been playing it. It's amazing. Um, it's so bad. And Fallout Boy is making Fallout Bird. Yeah. Fallout uh, Boy, the the band? Yeah. Yes. Kind of forgot about those guys. It's coming to the App Store like this week. There's, so there was an interesting should... thing that I that that I found as well, which I put in the show notes. Um, there are these things called game jams where like people get together and make a game around a certain idea. And there's been a game jam called Flappy Jam, right, where a bunch of developers have got together and have made like clones of the game with their own style. And there's a couple of actually really good ones. Um, there's a game called Super Hexagon, which is created by a guy called Terry Kavanagh, and he's made Maverick Bird. Um, mm. It's basically like playing. Uh, Flappy Bird in a rave. Um, there's one for the <laughs> Oculus Rift called Flocculus Bird. There's one oh. called Flappy Bolt, which was made by the Cannibal guy, Adam Saltzman. So there's actually like some... Again, my issue with Flappy Bird was never the mechanic of the game, right? Because that's that addictive Twitch gameplay that people have always enjoyed for, for years. It was the way it looked I didn't like. And my problem was was about the, the non-retina assets. That, that just frustrated me to my core. Not so much that I thought that Dong Nguyen should die, um, but just enough yeah. that I wasn't going to play the game every day. But there's some interesting there's some interesting things that that will come out of this, I think. Yes, yeah. Um, just one last thought, and um, I think that there is some some sort of irony about the fact that initially he was accused of ripping off Nintendo in some way. Yeah. And then now everybody's cloning Flappy Bird. And I'm, I just want to close on this note. And this is something that we'll talk about in the next few weeks. Uh, I, I just like that you guys announced the video game podcast and then we just talked for half an hour about a game. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, it's not a game. It's Flappy Bird. It's something else completely. It's, it's a, not yeah, a game. It's a cultural movement. What if Flappy Bird is life itself? Oh. And now, <laughs> on that, you, Mike. <laughs> on that bombshell, um, me and Federico will be talking about games on directional uh, coming coming to your ears this let, next week, next Tuesday. Um, we'll hopefully most likely be talking about the App Store, right? So the ramifications that we see, some of the the wider discussion of this, um, this this. So we you know we spoke about Flappy Bird, obviously here today in detail but i guess we want to talk more about the app store now right um about how what the effects that something like this can have and how it can kind of show why the curated app store is kind of broken in, in fundamentally that maybe we'll talk about that um or maybe it's not broken maybe i'm wrong uh, maybe we'll talk about that over the next coming weeks hopefully but until then, I would like to thank you all for listening to this week's episode of The Prompt. If you'd like to catch the show notes for this week's episode, you should go to 5x5.tv slash prompt slash 35. You'll also find links there to get in touch with us. Um, if you'd like to follow the show on Twitter, you can do that. It's at underscore The Prompt. I am iMike on Twitter, I-M-Y-K-E. Steven is at I-S-M-H. Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. Federico writes at maxstories.net and Steven writes at 512pixels.net. We'll be back again next week um, on the prompt. But um, actually, I won't be around next week. It's going to be you two without me. 
Hmm. Why are you well, going? Yeah. I'm going to the Brit Awards. I've been invited to go to the Brit Awards, which is basically like the British version of the Grammys. Oh, nice. So, I will... uh, so you're going to see some bands live? Uh-huh. Like the, like the Beatles? Yeah, the Beatles are going to be there, of course. <laughs> they're, they're bringing them all back. We only, The Beatles are confined to Britain now. We decided that the rest of the world shouldn't hear their music anymore. So they're all like, you know, still around and we just keep them to ourselves. <laughs> so on that note, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Prompt. We'll be back next week. Say goodbye, gentlemen. Arrivederci. Adios.